Hey, everybody, we're back for a commission podcast. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. And today we're doing a podcast dedicated to Alexandra Kilgore from her husband, Paul. Now, mm. he initially intended this to be a birthday present for her. Mm. Um, and since this is uh, well over a year, year and a half old, uh, we <laughs> actually missed a birthday deadline. And Have we missed two birthdays yet? No. Okay. No, in fact, her birthday's early in August, so it's going to be like almost in time for a belated, uh, you know, it happens. It happens. I bought my dad a tool off of a Kickstarter five years ago. I still haven't got it. Huh. Uh, so apologies for the delay, uh, but he wanted to commission. Apparently, this is Alexandra's favorite movie. Uh, in fact, she goes to sleep listening to the audiobook version of Pride and Prejudice on a nightly basis. They love all of our podcasts, but especially the Game of Thrones ones, and they profusely thank us for doing this for them. And I profusely thank you for your support of Bald Move. Um, Jim, let me ask you this. What is your relationship to Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> uh, the movie, or uh-huh. uh, Jane Austen in general? Were, uh-huh. you, were you subjected to any of this in your earlier days? Oh, no. So no, this no, is the no. first time you... This is entirely new to me. Oh, okay. I couldn't have told you... The story of Pride and Prejudice, even in a loose regard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any of Jane Austen's other works, although if you mentioned titles, I'd probably go, oh, okay. Well, Sense and Sensibility. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Plus the follow-up of Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. She I, she had nothing to do with she that. She had as far nothing. That was literally over her dead body, I'm uh-huh. certain. Um, but oh. yeah, this is my first encounter with either Jane Austen or this film or this this subject. Matter. Okay, interesting. Um, I was uh, we we Pride and Prejudice won the assigned readings that we did in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen the '95 uh, miniseries, BBC miniseries with Colin Firth in it, but mm-hmm. it's been a long time. And I'd actually, the last time I read uh, Jane Austen was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which I got when it first came out. And I thought, oh man, the zombies keep getting in the way of the Jane Austen. I didn't, I didn't much care <laughs> for it. And I'm a pretty big fan of historical fiction. Um, the second volume of my favorite book series, uh, Patrick O'Brien's Aubriad, um, is considered a love letter to Jane Austen. It's essentially like, what if Pride and Prejudice was told from Mr. Darcy and his friend's perspective? Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of affection for material. I've never seen this version of it before, and uh, it was confusing because I know they took a lot of liberties with like a little bit of uh, like minor details. Like in this film, uh, Jane comes from a relatively poor country bumpkin family, where in the books she, you know, sh- they are they are wealthy landed gentry themselves, hmm. um, but they still have five daughters that. So I presume that changes a lot with regard to how their family is viewed yeah, by other families. But I think it just it just it just amps up because it's not um you know the the thing is Mr. Darcy's still a way above their station. Right. Um this just amps the contrast. So now they don't even know how to sit at a table properly and hmm. They're just kind of like you know. They can't draw. Yeah, they're some like of red, their daughters can't play the piano very well. <laughs> they're they're they didn't have governesses. They, uh-huh. they you know they're like uh, you know English rednecks essentially. Um, but I didn't I didn't, like so there's a couple of changes. I'm not sure how much it actually changed uh, the plot. Um, what did you think of the movie just off the first time you saw it? Well, going in, this felt very much like our Anne of Green Gables commission, mm. which 
Similarly had me very romantic. worried. Yeah. Uh, because going into the end of Green Gables, I was like, this is not my kind of movie at mm-hmm. all. Uh, I don't usually go in for romance or, you know, hijinks of, of children in the country setting. Like, that's just not what I watch movies for. What do you, what's your opinion on, like, period pieces? Are you for or against the Some just period kind of, pieces like, I'm interested so in. So you're agnostic. It, it doesn't yeah, add or take away from anything. Uh, I think sometimes it can take away just because it's so unfamiliar. Hmm. Um, and it's it's hard. I found myself at the beginning of this movie being confused by the language, sure. uh, not quite being able to grasp exactly what they were saying because right. they were using such terms that I'm not familiar with at all. Uh-huh. Um, but And like the, the children at the beginning of this screaming over each other and just being so right. energetic. And it was like, oh, I can't, none of this is making any sense to me. Right. But, uh, and so I was a little worried about it from that perspective, but I think ultimately I got I got sucked into the the tale that they're mm-hmm. telling. Right this this doesn't to me it didn't feel like they were so wrapped up in the plot yeah. uh, and constructing like this intricate story. It was more just like telling the tale of these people, right? Um, you know, and how Pride and Prejudice gets in the way of of living your best life. Essentially, mm-hmm. I think it's. So in the original novels, um, like Pride and Prejudice is a very duality because like Pride is mm-hmm. the flaw of Mr. Darcy yes. and Prejudice is the flaw of Jane. And I feel or I mm-hmm. feel like that this reimagining of things made it like both of them have the Pride and Prejudice because it's now there's like a class issue thrown in there. So like, you know, Mr. Darcy being this proud, arrogant person th- Fulfills all of uh, like like uh, of uh, not Jane shoot uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Lizzie uh, 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 fulfills all of her like expectations for what this kind of like pompous dick would be, and you know her family being like I said country bumpkins um, kind of like fulfills a lot of his prejudices, and then they're both very prideful because they don't want to admit when they're wrong and they have very difficult time kind of like leveling each other. So I felt like that. Mm-hmm those changes made like the pride and prejudice even more dual because like those those qualities are embodied in both of them rather than like individually if that makes sense yeah and at times i felt that starting to strain my my will to continue because it kept feeling like like these people just talk just say what and but but it always came back to like they would say what needed to be said in the moment to continue the relationship down the road right. it always felt like on the borderline of going too far in the direction of well they just need to talk to each other and also that but it, like, always, it always brought it back there's also an in-universe explanation because that's just how english roll like they're yeah. not going to get like fly off into a passion and like defend right. themselves or you know it's they're they're extremely reserved in how they they go about all this um i was slightly worried because i felt like since this is a two-hour movie uh the book is you know a book size thing. <laughs> the miniseries is six to eight hours long. I think I was really worried that this would come across for a neophyte or someone that's not familiar with the material as kind of like David Lynch's Dune. Okay. Like it's just like yeah, real it kind of lurches of from set piece to set piece. And I felt like, in fact, when I realized the scene had come where Mr. Darcy was going to profess his love in that rain-drenched kind of, I don't know what the fuck it is, out in the yard. Some kind of gazebo thing. I was like, holy shit, this thing came out of nowhere. Like, like I didn't think they did a very good job of, like, gradually bending his arc and softening his character. Like, it, it seemed like it took a right angle there. 
uh, because otherwise the movie would need another hour to kind of like <laughs> start to, 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 to bridge the gap between where he started and where he ended. Yeah. but And I was waiting for more things to kind of feel like they came out of left field, but I thought that was the only one. And if you bought, if you bought the scene in the rain and they, they did a good job mm-hmm. of selling it, then I think the movie worked. And I, I guess you did. You didn't seem that, that didn't did, seem like yeah. out of nowhere. No, I thought they did a pretty good job as depicting Darcy as someone with with a veneer you know yeah. like he's he's a very serious dour person right um but underneath like he he knows how to dance right it's not he doesn't necessarily want to dance he's reluctant to to engage in these sort of sillier things yeah. as he views them plus but, he's a wealthy man and he's single and he knows he's a prime piece of meat and like yeah. for someone who's reserved going in that situation is being pawed at and flattered must be exhausting yeah, I, I couldn't do it yeah i mean i i very much identify with the darcy guy where it was just like oh man what is what is going on here <laughs> uh but it always felt like he had he had something under the surface right it wasn't mm-hmm. like he 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 i thought there was something else to him and so like as the relationship kept growing and i saw like them sparring intellectually essentially mm-hmm. um I felt like that fondness was developing, and so when the love confession or profession came, uh, I didn't feel like it was totally out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I, I could see why, yeah, maybe it's a little bit sudden, mm-hmm. but to me, I, I sort of felt all that building under the surface, and it just wasn't expressed. It was more like there was a lot of flirtation going yeah. on between the two. It just yeah. wasn't like... You know the Wickham flirtation, uh-huh. right? Where she sees a beautiful man and she's like, "Oh, oh, oh. right, that kind of thing." Right. Um, it's more intellectual and yeah. Mind. I thought that this uh, McFadden guy that they had playing Mr. Darcy was good because um, Colin Firth in the the '95 adaptation is just, I, I think, too charming. He's like he's he's definitely <laughs> you know playing up all the the okay. negative qualities of Darcy, but like underneath, it's kind of like. He's just he's Colin Firth. He's like just super super charming mm-hmm. and smooth and in the same way that like there's a lot of made that Lizzie is plain and not as beautiful and like it's Kara fucking Knightley. Like she's not my cup right. of tea, but she's <laughs> stunning. She is. She's stunning, you know. And, and and like I felt like this guy did a much better job of kind of like playing like more of a, a like a reserved schlub that is also super wealthy and educated and and has kind of a heart of gold and I'm not saying there's zero basis for the attraction there but like I felt like it was it felt less inevitable mm-hmm. like if I was coming into this with fresh eyes I actually might think that this is just not going to work out because they're just too different and he's too imperious and she's too you know flighty and and fiercely independent etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah, but over uh, the course it seems like they reveal that they're both very similar <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also funny how, like, we're talking about things that happened multiple hundreds of years ago in a culture that is, you know, not completely dissimilar to ours, but a lot dissimilar to ours. But how, like, concepts like wit and charm and, like, magnetism kind of translate. Like, you can just tell Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, they speak, they, they, they express it differently, and the way they act in public is different. But a person that's charming is charming... Uh, regardless of what century, and I wonder if that's like how true that that would go. Like if that if you went back a thousand years into the 
middle of the middle ages would you mm. recognize like wit and charm if you did that like 2000 years ago in china would you right. could you like look at like a group of uh you know chinese noblemen and women and be like oh yeah that's the guy who's slaying at court <laughs> sure like i wonder like how Probably. universal are these uh could you go back in like cave like paleolithic 15,000 right. years ago and how far see, removed from your yeah or does it like society. it's like well this guy's just he's six foot eight and 300 pounds and he just he's he's got no charm or wit he's just <laughs> right. conan the fucking barbarian like yeah he'll smash you if you don't like him <laughs> yeah when did wit and charm become something that you could parlay into uh you know success I don't know. It's a good question. I really love the scene where Collins is trying to demonstrate his wit and his charm. Oh, my God. This and guy. Lizzie just questions, you know, how essentially how long you had to practice in the mirror to deliver uh-huh. those. Or, or is this off the cuff? Are you actually charming or have you developed charm over years of practice Yeah, you know, in these very specific settings? Right. And then when, Which you, I loved. when you later see his patron, I forget her name, but played by Judy Dench, you're like... I understand oh, yeah. how this guy got this way. Uh-huh. Like she has molded like everyone in her her I don't know village or whatever. I I, I can't remember how all this work. All all of her serfs mm-hmm. like like she's compressed into this kind of like dour, prim but brittle personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you I, know, I, not often I find Judy Dinch playing an unlikable character too. Yeah, she's very unlikable in this. Uh, yeah. yeah, she is just a cast iron bitch. Yep. Uh, and that's why it's so satisfying when Lizzie stands up to her. Yeah. After being insulted. Yeah, yeah. And how, like, she didn't even care that she was insulted. She just wanted yeah. to, like, she, because, it, like, it, it literally didn't matter. It literally didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's, like, I mean, uh, maybe we should get the bummer parts of the review out uh, early. Kind of sure, because we, you know, sure, like, sandwich it between. It, it's not even a bummer. It's just the thing that I kept on looking and seeing is just how how miserable these women's lives were unless they found some kind of match, any kind of match. Like, yeah, I really felt it when, um, you know, Charlotte accepts Mr. Collins proposal. Cause Mr. Collins is a bore, mm-hmm. but he provides a decent living and she's 27 years old. And the quiet terror of like, Oh my God, I might never find a person to take me out of this. And if my parents die, Oh God, what will I do then? Cause I have nothing. I have no money. Like what? Like, that was it. That was the only way for you to be, like, culturally acceptable happiness is to find a man who you hope will take care of you and defend you and feed and clothe you. And if not, holy shit. Uh, Yeah, and how much of that is dependent on your looks. Right. You know, like... She, Charlotte, in that scene is essentially saying, look, I'm getting old. I'm losing whatever bit of looks I had. I don't have the advantages that you have of looks, Lizzie. You're a beautiful young woman. I'm getting to be an older woman uh, by the standards. Right. I I need to latch onto this, right. you know. Well, and so, I, and I thought of like because like you know I've been asked a lot about this Jordan Peterson character uh, of late, and he got in a kerfuffle a couple months ago where he was in an interview espousing uh, the the virtues of enforced monogamy and how like cultures that have these enforced monogamy it reduces aggression in men it provides love and you know people blew up and like what are you. And it was in the context of like this incel, like involuntary celibate community. Have you familiar with any of this stuff? I've heard of it, yeah. 
And people like blew up. Are you suggesting that the government like assign women to these weirdos just so they don't blow up a school or whatever? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like this is a very particular cultural, you know, uh, paleontological term, blah, blah, blah. But this just so you know, and he's like, well, you know, like I'm not talking crazy at government enforcement. I'm talking about like cultural norms. But this movie embodies this enforced monogamy that all of society is putting pressure that this is the only and it's not it's not fun this is like it, no. it, it wasn't it wasn't a top-down thing pushed by the government or something that was like a legal law that you had to be but it the the result was the same like these women are treated as property mm-hmm. and in a very real way like like uh you know the 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 uh shit what is the lizzie's last name i forget the the damn last and Bennett. Bennett, yeah. yeah. Donald Sutherland is a cool dude, mm-hmm. but he could just marry these. Like they really have no legal recourse or say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just like, I just think it's astounding the idea that anyone would see this as a solution for any of society's problems to go back to some sort of cultural enforced monogamy where we all live in and like. Uh, maybe some people are happy, but most people are living in lives of quiet desperation, and then some people right. have it much worse. Yeah. No, that's insane. This system is so obviously broken. Yeah. To me, yeah. in my 2018 eyes, right? Uh, we've we've gone way beyond this in a good way. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not like arranged marriages and afford, like there's not like maybe some ancillary benefits to that because like dating kind of sucks too, and there's <laughs> lots of people still living in quiet lives of desperation. But like the the difference is, you can make mistakes, but you're never trapped. You could, it's never too late to pull your life out of a nosedive and like start all over where in this it's just like that's you know like you're you're late teen and the die is cast and that's your life no and how how much it shapes who you are too because you look at you know um jane in this case right she is I finally shown found a, as... a role i like rosamund pike in okay yeah i was she's just saying like, i don't really like ros but she's yeah she's really good she is but she has kind of the latitude i guess because she's beautiful you mm-hmm. know and because she's the firstborn and she's likely to be married off to someone who's right. well off um and she's taken the eye of this bingley guy mm-hmm. uh she's given a little more latitude to kind of be just carefree and who she wants to be you know right. and she might actually turn out to be happy in that mm-hmm. role. Whereas you look at someone like um, Mary, who was played mm-hmm. by Tallulah Riley. Yeah. Yeah. From now Westworld fame. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is where I was introduced to her. Uh, she is... to have been like 16? She had movie? to be real young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's not as beautiful as her older sister. Um, she has to work a lot harder. You know, this, this pressure is shaping who she's going to be because... Uh-huh. She she realizes, okay, look, I'm not as beautiful as my older sisters. Right. I've got to bring something to the table. Here's what I'm going to do. Piano. Uh-huh. She's pretty bad at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she's shown to be not great. Uh-huh. Uh, but she's an excellent reader, right? She seems mm-hmm. to want to educate herself and develop these skills, whereas her sisters just kind of seem to be leaning on their looks, mm-hmm. which is... I don't know. It's a weird way to shape your life around the idea that you're going to have to be attractive to a very specific type of person. Yeah. And that's like that's because, like, you know, I'm a big Downton Abbey junkie. And that was something like both of these that the the decor of this movie and it's easy to miss is that 
these girls don't get married before their father dies. All of the fortune is entailed to the next male heritage. Yeah, that's relative. fucked up. Collins gets everything. So yeah, like so this the these these women would all. I mean, like it's up to Collins what he does with them, but he's well within his rights to just drive him into the streets. Yeah, uh, and how just utterly fucked that is. Um, yeah, and how that's you know an added pressure to for potentially one of them to marry him, right? Right. Like for Lizzie to say yes, and her mother freaks out about it because. Right. Look, you're a she she knows that the only way for you to have a life in this society is for you to marry. Yeah. And she knows that Collins gets everything and her father's getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he seems to be in OK health, but he's an old man. Yeah. At any time he could go. And then the Collins, the very guy that you're spurning here. Yeah, yeah. Gets to say what happens to all of us. So you need to do this not only for yourself and it's your own the, future, yeah. but for the family. Like, yeah. I thought there was going to be this dilemma where she at some point had to choose between, between doing, Collins and Darcy. Right, doing or, Collins, Darcy, or Wickham. Like, th- those <laughs> three guys. Them. Like, it's, well, <laughs> no, ma- marrying them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is she going to marry to save her family with Collins? Is she going to marry Darcy, who is potentially, you know, dour and not everything she wants, but very wealthy? Yeah. Or is she going to marry Wickham, who it looks like he's, yeah, the guy who's charismatic and fun and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I, that's Jane. I think the, the story was better the way it went. Yeah, and it worked out like everyone gets a happy ending. And this is not like the, the, that kind of book where they're going to be some kind of Sophie's choice. And and that's and, kind of why I call it more of a tale. Like, yeah. It's not like, oh, she's going to have this one moment where everything right. is defined. It's going to be more like this is the journey to to wherever it ends. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah, and you ever also you ever know like you know what would uh, what's Lizzie and Darcy going to be like a decade from now? Yeah, you know like what if it turns out that uh, Elizabeth is barren and she can't have oh, children no. and like you know I mean like there's like all kind yeah. of, like it, that's there's all kinds of uh, the uh, pitfalls to fall into Pride and Prejudice too Pride and Prejudice yeah more pride more, more prejudice pra- more pride more prejudice <laughs> um, I. Uh, but yeah, I thought this, I thought, I thought all that was really cool. I'm trying to pull out of the, uh, you know, the dark despair of like, oh shit, look at, look at how we used to live our lives. I got something. People wanting to return back to that sometimes. There's just a ton of really good comedy in this movie. I found myself laughing way more than I expected to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that stuff, all the stuff with Collins is just so good. Uh, and he's when, the main villain in like the Pirates of the Caribbean. That's where I recognized him. He's like the in the India East India Tea Company man. Oh wow! He's How hot. is he not just the uh, McNichols character from Ally McBeal? That lawyer, oh, right? The <laughs> How is he not just that guy? Uh, he could be. He could be that. I, I feel like I was I was looking at that dude. I also think time. that in another another life, you could have Ben Mendelsohn's career. Like if he oh, was if he yeah. was given just because he's got that kind of like. He's not. I, I mean, I don't feel like either of those guys are like intimidating physically, but there's something menacing about just how mm. they roll. Yeah, uh, off, off, and creepy, and like you just not almost inhuman. Uh, One of the other scenes that I really found funny was when you know Jane is off at Bingley's estate. Uh, um, she's sick, and and Lizzie shows up there, and then. <laughs> The rest of the Bennets show up. Mm-hmm. They all show up at once, and it's like, my pleasure to introduce Miss Bennett and Miss mm-hmm. Bennett and Miss Bennett and Miss <laughs> Bennett. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's just really funny. And then they're like, oh, how many Bennett? Are we going to have the whole Bennett family here? Yeah, yeah. It's good. I also thought it was kind of funny how goddamn chaste this movie is. 
Mm-hmm. Like that scene we're talking about in the rain where he gives a profession of love and then her ultimate rejection. And yet they still find a way to almost kiss from yeah. pure physical chemistry, but then they, they don't. Uh-huh. And then later when they repeat that scene and like she's accepting and they go in for another kiss and <laughs> they don't. And I'm right. like, oh, my God. And then like when they're presumably married and sitting in his estate, which I want to talk about here in a minute. Mm-hmm. And he goes and like kisses her on the forehead i'm like are you and then they finally they they, they work up to a real kiss yeah. but i'm like this is worse than the princess goddamn bride i'm not these kids are legally married in the eyes of god and they're uh, not even going like <laughs> do they know that sex is a thing yeah i guess it just wasn't proper you know yeah it's like you're it's not like acting before marriage guy has been bewitched body and soul dude not, yeah. not, not not in my opinion um can we talk about how ridiculous this guy's house was the the main Darcy estate. Yeah, and yeah. I love I love Elizabeth's reaction where she just kind of gives this like laugh of disbelief, like oh, wow. When she I, first sees it, I really screwed the pooch because it's a thing. <laughs> it's like a it is. Greek temple that view over the lake that is, just comes. It looks like it's yeah. coming out of the water. It's perfectly reflected, and like that's already just from a you know a a, a material possession is a just gorgeous estate and lands. And you go inside, this guy's bought the fucking Louvre. (laughs) He's got like all this antiquities arts and these massive Uh 30 foot long paintings and these marble statues were carved 2000 years ago. I just couldn't believe it. Like, did people really have these gallery collections? And I think so. How? How did they go to Rome and like pry it out of their these Italians cold dead hands i think it was yeah like that kind of stuff and i mean you go back far enough it's like commissions right it does feel like a lot of these like and i know this this is a very real thing in like egypt and it's one of the reasons like the egyptians are so protective of their sites now is that like this stuff like a lot of um they were they were they were pillaged Mm -hmm. pillaged like you know just like hey uh i'll open up this tomb and take whatever i find and it's cool because we're englishmen (laughs) What are you gonna, we, have the, machi- we have machine guns and you don't. Like, yeah, or we're going to, you know, we're the Nazis and we're going to roll through and steal all your artwork and right. bring it all to Germany. Right, but it wasn't even, the, like happens. I said, it wasn't even like the evil. It's like, ever, it's just, that's just a colonial thing. Like, oh, yeah. I, so yeah, I love right. I love your jade tar- tiger that your emperor used to sit on. I'm now going to use it as my footrest in yeah. Derbyshire. Right. It's going to be a funny story when I tell Jeeves. Like, God damn, the the no. the ostentatious wealth. I do love that scene though, um, when you think perhaps he's not even home, um, and yeah, they you're go supposed, yeah, and that they was the view, whole deal, yeah, yeah, they view his gallery, and I felt like it it gave her a moment without the potential of this blowing up into a heated argument mm-hmm. to re understand who Darcy was yeah. in a way, you know, and and to you know also examine the bust of him and see that he is a handsome man. But after she's examined, I think his, the bust of him is handsomer than the real guy. I agree. I that, agree. that bust has had a nose job. <laughs> yeah. There's a little embellishment on the part of the artist. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but yeah, I think it gave her an opportunity to reconsider him yeah. um, and to understand him a little bit better through the art that he collects. And I will say about Kira Knightley is she has a very expressive face. Yeah. And like you could read all of those things as she was going from gallery to gallery and looking and kind of like, you know, understanding the full magnitude of how much she fucked up by spurning <laughs> as well, yeah. Darcy, especially, especially when it was over a series of misunderstandings. Yeah. Um, that Darcy could have could have cleared up any time, but he's prideful and he doesn't. You know, that's not how he sees himself as behaving. So, um, mm-hmm. no, nah, I, I the stuff that works in this movie really, really, really works. Uh, also, 
how does that fountain work? Is that an anachronism? How the fuck do you get a 30-foot-high water fountain in an era before you have even engine power? Hmm. Like, much less electrical. Mo- like, I honestly don't... Is is that something that, that they could do with some kind of, like, have, have their butlers bring buckets of water into a big water tower or I don't know some kind of water wheel thing or aqueduct like I I I can see how you would make it work but it seems like you'd have to have the water falling like 100 feet before it would shoot back up 30 yeah I don't know maybe it's just anachronism I don't know yeah uh yeah, uh, I don't because they they mention also like I don't know how much Mister Darcy makes uh, the one uh, Big B right that's his name right Big B was five had a had a, a, a income of five thousand pounds, which is I think like a million about a million bucks a year. Really? Wow. Darcy seems okay. like he was way yeah way richer than that. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he has these lands and this house and. And the fact that he could just quickly settle up uh, the military guy's, like, debts and bribe him and get him a commission. Because I, I think that's what you're supposed to understand is that dude was not going to marry his the her sister. He was no. just going to... I, I, but I, I, that's the one thing I don't really understand because if he was grubbing for money, which I think he was, that he was going about the wrong, going about that the wrong way because the Bennett's had none. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought maybe that made more sense in the books because the, the Bennett's are, you know, have money themselves and yeah, he's I, just trying to find any, any money that he can that lay his hands onto. That was easily the most confusing part was when you get this letter out of nowhere that Liz or not Lizzie, um, whatever her sister's name is runs uh-huh. away. Yeah. Uh, I, cause I didn't realize she ran away with Wickham at yeah, first. Yeah, that's the that thing was like, I felt like that, that was the other part of the movie where I felt like, I'm not sure how you can follow this because also they made a good face on it. Like, well, maybe this wasn't, I think, is there Lydia? Was that her name? Well, it seemed like a tragedy at first, right? Like, right. oh, she's gone. We'll never see her again. We don't know where she is. Yeah. But that's then, why I said, like, they, they play it up in my notes where we're like, well, Mr. Darcy paid for everything. I put, yeah. it's still kind of a bummer for Lydia because she's married a a dick. Yeah, a man who doesn't love her, But certainly. there was no, like, in, in this particular version, it's almost like Wickham maybe got religion and is going to shape up his life and, and make her happy, when, which I don't think there's any evidence in the movies given uh, for the... Uh, for I, us for that you know i'm okay seeing lydia not not that happy because <laughs> she seemed like one of the worst like uh, uh, she is the most boy crazy uh like the person who gave her booze at that party mm-hmm. made a huge error oh, her yeah. and her sister when yeah. they paired off and they got drunk were just insufferable yeah yeah and i understand they're young girls they're right. just having fun whatever Show me but, a teenager is not insufferable let alone uh, once you give them alcohol yeah um. Oh, speaking of being a Downton Abbey junkie, like I was really excited when we went to Judy Dench's home, because uh, I thought for sure that was Downton Abbey, but it's not. It's some other. I think it's called the Chatham House, hmm. uh, Chatham House. And uh, the the one thing that I guess gave it away is it looks so much like Downton Abbey, which is Highclere Castle, I believe. Um, except for at the tops of the towers had these weird um kind of Taj Mahal minaret little little details to them 
which I thought, well, mm-hmm. maybe they CGI'd those in to make it look different, or but no, it turns out it's like it looks. It, this is just a place that looks exactly like Downton Abbey, except for it's got the minarets on it. So, yeah. Uh, um, but man, these 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 buildings, Jesus Christ! I can't even imagine growing up in one. I mean, even the house that the Bennets lived in. I would sure. love to have. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's this old stone building that's got that weird like <laughs> duck ponds, but they were like cement blocks and they kind of look like mm-hmm. maybe they were sewage things too. Like <laughs> oh, I no. I don't know. I thought that was yeah, I, I, I thought I thought I thought the their cottage is pretty charmingly eccentric. Yeah. And it seems like a place like uh Lizzie or Belle from Beauty and the Beast would grow up in. Um what else do we want to talk about? I did find it funny that I, I guess Mary's the one that they were talking about being super plain, right? Is and that's the one that's played by Tallulah Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can see it throughout the the thing. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, she's the only one ever shown working on her skills at all. Yeah, the rest of the girls are just running around laughing and having a good time. But what is that like to be a teenage girl and be cast as the ugly sister? Yeah, I know. Because the other thing is, like, first of all, like I, I don't, I, it's like. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought she was attractive as a, a young girl, but like you know, in adulthood, she becomes a fucking knockout, right? Uh, right. So, but I, I'm always like, I'm always always wondering what it's like for actors that get like you know, like you're cast because you're the fat one, or mm-hmm. you're cast because you're the ugly one, and yeah. That's got to take its all. Yeah, like what's it like to be Danny DeVito? That's the that's right. a canonical like when you're 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 cast as the antithesis of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep, like you are the genetic <laughs> leftovers from this perfect specimen. That's kind of you can laugh it off all you want, but yeah, Portaloo. And then then she gets in, gets involved with uh, Elon Musk, and who knows? I do think it's funny though that they don't even bother. They don't even bother uh-huh. giving Mary decent clothes. Like all the other girls have right. these nice. You know, fine clothing. Yeah. And then she's dressed in just rags. Right. That, like, they know. They know what's up. Right. They do. If the first four daughters don't succeed in marrying to a wealthy gentleman who's going right. to carry their whole family, then this one's certainly not. Right. They also do a good job of, like, letting Kira nightly be bedraggled. Like, uh-huh. you know, they don't really do any much with her hair, and she's her skirt yeah. perpetually muddy, and... uh you know they do as good a job of making a fine looking woman look plain as they can as they can right. but it, it does seem like the like family Aunt- has like pumped all their money into jane right mm. they 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 pay the most attention to her clothing and her hair oh, and and that's that's the other line that i meant to to highlight when we we're talking about the earlier pitiable state of these women is like when her mom says i just knew she could not be so beautiful for nothing right like Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, her mom's the worst. Like, honestly, if this movie was written in 2018, her mom would be a villain. Yes. Yeah. Like, that would be... That's how she, I viewed her. She would be, like, the mom from Sharp Objects. Like, just overly concerned with beauty, mm-hmm. and they're... That's how know. Darcy viewed her, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I love that scene by the lake where, um, you know, the mother is like, look, she has to marry Collins. Come out and... And tells the dad, come out and talk to her and make her do this. Right. And he comes out and he's like, one of your parents is going to disown you here. Right. Make your choice, essentially. And yeah. And your mom's going to do it. I loved you, it. Yeah. And I'm going to do it if you, yeah. Because thought... the dad really got who she was and that he wanted her to be happy, whereas the mother just wanted her sold off, essentially. It reminded you, you talk about Anna Green Gables because I kept on thinking about that movie the same way, but it reminded me a lot of her 
the brother, I guess, that adopted her, mm-hmm. like that that he just kind of like gets her or is like, you know, has a crucial moment where he stands up to the overbearing feminine part of the household and yeah, uh, he Donald Sutherland's pretty good. Yeah. Uh I like the detail like I I felt like they with very I mean they, they had to do a lot of casting because again they're leaving out two thirds of the the plot and character interaction and dialogue of the books and other things wow. I've seen but like you have to like in fact I don't think I, I, they just say it in one like you get the idea I think it's because they state it once and pretty late in the movie that Donald Sutherland that's that that uh, Keira Knightley's his favorite daughter the Lizzie's mm-hmm. his favorite daughter but you yeah. kind of just from their performances, you kind of understood that, so it doesn't come out of left field. That would have been sure. a left field moment if the casting or the chemistry was just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the 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 people adapting this uh, did a good job. Which, by the way, we I should mention Joe Wright uh, directed this movie, um, and he has gone on to do other things: um, the movie Atonement, uh, Hannah, Anna Karina. Uh, he just adapts a lot of towering works of literary genius. Uh, hmm. The the Peter Pan origin story Pan that came out oh. a couple years ago, and uh, he also did Darkest Hour, which was the one that uh, had uh, Commissioner Gordon uh, playing uh, uh, Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill. Uh, and then it was written uh, by Deborah Magok. I think is how I pr- you pronounce that, okay. who's a famous novelist and screenwriter from England. Uh, I didn't really recognize a lot of stuff that she's done, so whatever. Um, but I thought she did. And she wrote like 10 different treatments of this script. The one that was like a very faithful adaptation. And then when Joe got in and started wanting to do like, oh, let's change the social status and let's set it 100 years after the original thing was done. Like she really rolled with the punches and I felt like – yeah. Did a good job of keeping the essential Jane Jane Austen uh, experience here. Um, Did you feel like the stakes were reduced at all once uh, Jane was engaged? Because doesn't that pretty much save provide the, for the family? Yeah, kind kind of the same way that uh, I don't know, like like in Downton Abbey, the stakes never got as good as when, like, you know, once Matthew married into the family and secured the fortune, yeah. like, nothing else really mattered. There wasn't, you know, like, I, I guess there was a subplot of, like, uh, the Lord Grantham still might fuck it up because he's just that bad with money. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll invest in His every railroad, railroad in American <laughs> Canada. What could go wrong? Uh-huh. Um, you know, because uh, I finally got two nickels to rub together and I want to make them four. Uh, it, Matthew, come here, rub some nickels. Right. Me. Oh, shit, he died in a car accident. Oh, my, 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 my outright communist son-in-law will come back to save me and decide the land of gentry's oh, not so right. bad. Like, it's, uh, Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he uh, really took a U-turn in his politics <laughs> around season three when Matthew died. Wow. Um but yeah, no, I I thought this I, I watched this movie with a big smile on my face because it is kind of up my alley. Um again, uh I think Jane Austen is 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 pretty genius. Um, you know, she wrote these books in the uh early eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Uh as a woman in, within this system. Um and she, you know, I, I I mean we would call we would call Jane and uh Elizabeth Mary Sue's. Mm, but right. <laughs> you know i think she was she was trying to write she she was uh, trying to write from her own perspective and like mm-hmm. you know i think you're allowed to have some mary sues if you're an oppressed an oppressed person 
Because what else? How, how else are you going to get, get an escape from it? Yeah, I very much didn't expect to like this movie at all. And I found myself drawn in by it. I do find that true about a lot of things that people call classics. Like, it doesn't mm, matter yeah. how old they are. It's it's usually pretty easy to see the germ of what was good about it. Right. Um, you know, I guess that's that's when they become timeless. Because, like, The Godfather is going to be great 100 years from now. Um, it's not going to be ever great for its time. Um, and I think this, this stuff like that uh, works. Plus, again, it was... Uh, it's been like 15 years since I've kind of dipped my toe in this waters. I've read the second volume of the Patrick O'Brien stuff twice since then. And uh, it's it's so interesting because it literally is like, what if you told the story from the two gentlemen's perspective mm-hmm. and showed their rivalries and their bullshit and the pressures that are on them and the women were the kind of like, you know, uh, background quasi antagonists that you're trying to figure out their their their, their true motivations and mysteries because that's the other thing is like I don't think it's it's fun for men to try to find a woman in this environment too because like they're all they all see you as their lifeline right sure and yeah. they're gonna drown if they don't get a man you know if if, if 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 they don't if they don't get a man especially a man that can provide so if you're one of those men like how the hell do you ever know what's genuine love yeah I mean if you're presumably in it for happiness right like you should be then good luck picking it right i mean these women are born and bred and trained to be am- uh, amiable and mm-hmm. and uh eager to please and put good faces on everything and be unfailingly polite and like how the hell do you ever find true love in that environment and Spoiler alert, you often don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're often miserable with right. someone that you just had to pick through. What I view as very few interactions. Like, it's amazing how little contact yeah. they had and in what artificial circumstances it was under before you're expected to be engaged. You know what, you know? though? You see, like, if you look at fundamentalist Christian religions or any yeah, kind of fundamentalist, like, like that, these uh, environments still exist. They do. Any, any any community that highly prizes a woman's virtue and doesn't offer opportunities for those women and and uh, you know just fundamentally categorizes men as more important and better than women and that's like you see this behavior you see teenagers getting married because like they want a bone man they want <laughs> right yeah. and, and they don't have the experience and the wisdom to know like oh this is my tenth relationship I see these red flags and uh like they 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 still do this. Like these these dynamics still exist in the world today, and they're always found upon amongst certain certain types of societies, uh, certain certain form, formulations of, of of cultures, I should say. Yeah, it's something that I'm quite familiar with, having grown up in a fundamentalist religion. Exactly, um, but also I find so weird yeah. because it doesn't feel natural at all. It feels like denying every every impulse you have to truly understand who someone is before yes. you make a commitment to them yes um uh, it's very weird yeah no and it's like it's so weird because like once you're out of it and you're like man it's it's it, like relationships and stuff are hard enough without artificial rules on top of them making the game harder it's like yeah you know like imagine it, it's like playing basketball like why am i putting this 
ball through this little hoop? Why isn't the hoop ten times bigger? If I'm if I'm trying to score <laughs> points, like like living in some kind of weird, artificially enforced hierarchy on top of life is like play, like you know you're just trying to get this little ball through an even littler hoop. Why and, don't I get to say where the hoop is? Yeah, like why, can I put why the can't hoop the hoop in front be of me? a comfortable shoulder height so yeah. I can easily get it in there? Why is this harder than it has to be? It's because it's a fucking game. Yeah. So, like, you know, are we playing games with our lives? Are we trying to be the best person that we can be? Um, and I think Pride and Prejudice is interesting in that it's showing two people succeeding despite all the obstacles yeah. of class and economic situation. Um, pride, perhaps prejudice pride, as well. All that arrayed against them. <laughs> all the ampersands arrayed against them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Do we have anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. I, I Like I said, I enjoyed watching this movie. Um, I would like to thank uh, Paul for commissioning this podcast on behalf of be, behalf, behalf of your wife, Alexandra. Um, I don't know what your income is, Paul. Uh, you, 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 but you paid 300, 300 pounds to get this podcast off the ground, and uh, I, I appreciate the outlay, the outlay uh, to the Bald Move Dowry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we appreciate the dowry. And I hope your wife enjoyed the podcast uh, as much as we enjoyed recording it. Um, and I also want to say that uh, this, since it was a birthday, it was since a birthday present we fucked up. This was a, a hidden commission, so like the people would be like, "What the hell, Pride and Prejudice?" It, 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 it was the next in line. You just couldn't see it because we all we have a special flag we can do gift, and, and it just stays off the boards, obviously. So we don't spoil the surprise. Yeah, right. So there wasn't any cheating done. This this is all 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 done in line. We're trying to get back into the commission podcast swing of things. I know it's been a while since we've we've done it. We're still not ready to talk about when we're going to reopen it. Um, but uh, we'll have another commission coming up real soon. I believe the next one is. Uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex sounds right. Um, which is a you know one of the 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 fraught with peril where we watch a bunch of disconnected episodes and give an opinion. Now I've seen a lot of the standalone complex. I don't mm. know if you have. No, I've not. And you've seen obviously Ghost in the Shell. So the I'm, I'm remake, hoping that yeah the live action. I'm hoping that grounds us in the universe a little bit. Actually, I've seen the original anime as well, the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there we go. Uh, we'll have that uh, coming up here in a bit. Uh, thanks for listening to this one. Again, thanks to Paul and Alexandra. Uh, and until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.